0: Welcome back to Future America's podcast, a series featuring the voices of the next generation of leaders of the Americas. In this episode, Martina and I speak with Ignacio Rivera, a guest from Puerto Rico. He tells us all about island life, as well as the numerous challenges that Puerto Rico faces. Puerto Rico, the Isle of Enchantment, is known for its gorgeous beaches, rich biodiversity, and bumping nightlife. However, the island's history has also been rife with challenges, in large part due to Puerto Rico's colonization by Spain and then the United States beginning in 1898. Amid economic hardship, political crises, and climate change-related natural disasters, Puerto Rico is in need of strong leadership and a powerful new vision for the future. In this conversation, Ignacio speaks a bit about what that vision would need to be. Thank you everyone for joining us once again for an episode of uh, Future America's podcast. Uh, Once again, I am Tim Jaiglich, joined by my esteemed co-host, Martin. And we are uh, very excited to to have our first interview uh, with a guest from Puerto Rico.
1: Hey guys, my name's Ignacio Rivera. Uh, I am born and raised in Puerto Rico uh I was uh I grew up around uh Montillera, and then if anybody if any Puerto Ricans are listening y'all you'd recognize where that is probably I would hope so if not I sound like an idiot <laughs> and I went to school in Guaynabo in um Baldwin School of Puerto Rico so I know my dean because we met through college, so we went to school together there. I'm currently based in D.C., so politics always around me. Uh, so I, I always get these questions about Puerto Rico and, and how it stands sociopolitically with the U.S., um, and I'm excited to talk more about it with you guys.
0: We are excited to hear your very hot takes.
2: Yes, yeah, it is going to be a journey, and... Um, with that, I think it is time to dive right in. So Ignacio, something that we've chatted a lot about both Tim and I on this podcast, as well as you and I uh, on our own time is identity, right? What does it mean to be insert here, right? Where you're from, uh, who you are and such. Tim and I extensively talked about what it does it mean for me to be an Ecuadorian American born in Ecuador, raised in California and all the different identi- identities that that carries. So I'd be very interested in hearing from your perspective to you, what does it mean to be Puerto Rican and when do you feel most Puerto Ricans?
1: So it's honestly very, very complicated question, but I'll answer the second part first. The most Puerto Rican I ever feel is at a Christmas party having coquito with salsa playing. Uh,
2: what is coquito, that? for anybody that doesn't know,
1: is uh, this, it's kind of like Puerto Rican eggnog where it has some coco in it and it tastes amazing. You make it with rum uh, and it, it's a staple at every single Christmas party and you just can't go wrong with coquito. So that sounds definitely... Lovely definitely the vibe I think of when I think of uh, when I feel most Puerto Rican and what does it mean to be Puerto Rican it's definitely complicated I think nowadays there isn't there's a lot of talk about Puerto Rico and how Puerto Rico stands in relation to the U.S. and 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 that ties really deeply into its identity but naturally I I think for Puerto Ricans there's a lot of uh there's a big difference between how we're viewed under an Americanized lens and how Puerto Ricans kind of view ourselves. I think Puerto Rico has a long long history of colonization um You know, obviously we were a Spanish colony and then switched hands to the US during the Spanish American war. What does it mean to be Puerto Rican? In one sense, it means to to have suffered through the effects of all this colonialism. We think with a kind of mindset that it's difficult to get things done as Puerto Ricans for Puerto Ricans in a lot of ways, in the greater scheme of things. There's been a movement recently, uh, with, what with the um, Jose Joe incident, where there's been a sense of empowerment for the population, especially the youth, in terms of what kind of leadership we want. But sadly, that hasn't extended necessarily to our relationship with the US. And there's this constant inner turmoil of, can we do this by ourselves? Can we not do this by ourselves? Puerto Rico as a whole, has never been able to truly unify in in saying, we can be independent or we cannot be independent. We can accomplish this without uh, foreign help. We can accomplish that without foreign help, et cetera, et cetera. So confusion is a good way of putting what it means to be Puerto Rican. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of room to celebrate the kind of culture we have, the festivities that we, that we enjoy. I mean, goddamn. When then Puerto Ricans will throw a party for anything. And I mean anything. My thing can confess, can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> I think Puerto Ricans are very good at being able to to find the joy in the little things in life, the dancing, the, the beach, mm. nice little beer by the beach, some drinks with some friends, anything of the sort. I feel like we're very, we're very joyful, celebrative people we're very proud people. Despite all the confusion and all the all the difficulties Puerto Rico has had in its history, we're very proud of our beautiful little island and our our beautiful fauna, our beautiful people, and our loving nature.
0: Mm. Ignacio, if I could just follow up. Uh, thank you for that. That was that was fascinating, and I'd love to just drill in on one point that you made about confusion and that identity, uh, where Puerto Rico, somewhat uniquely among Latin American countries was held by both the Spanish and the United States, and so it's kind of a blend between those Mm -hmm. cultures. Um, How do you think that Puerto Ricans think about themselves in that kind of U.S. identity?
1: Well, it varies a lot, and I mean a lot. Um, Puerto Rico has had, I don't know how many referendums to to figure out what we want to be in relation to the US and through all those referendums, we've seen that there are so many, so many, so many varying opinions. Some see themselves fully fledged American citizens that they want to be a part of the greater majority of the US so that they can, well, benefit from the same benefits that states do. And those people would probably a lot of them feel like they lean towards a more, slightly more American culture. Whereas others, there might even be a mix. Sure, we have others that would be full-on independence, full, you know, I love Puerto Rico and, and this is just not my culture. The U.S. is just not my culture. It's not my, it's not my homeland. It's not my country. It's not my patria. And they sure they'll they'll go up hundred percent against the idea of statehood and, and Americanization, but there's so much of a mix of those two contrasting identities. I mean, the amount of people I've met that although fully, fully lean towards a more Americanized culture in, in their in their interests and their hobbies and their likes and dislikes, they still fully believe that. They want Puerto Rico to be independent and they want their homeland to kind of sever those ties of, of colonization. Whether you think it'd be, it, we're in a like, positive relationship right now with the US or not, a lot of people, a lot of people would, even though they are fully fledged, leaning more towards American culture, they would desire independence. But then at the same time, Many people who may not even be that comfortable with English, may not be that familiar with American culture to a certain extent, of course, because American culture is so yeah. globalized, but they might say, you know what, I would still rather be a part of the U.S. because the U.S. gives us all these benefits as a, as a state if we were to be a state. So it's it just circles all the way back to the confusion that I mentioned earlier and that you highlighted. a a cacophony of of differing opinions
0: Mm. yeah thank you
2: yeah and I think you touched on something that is particularly interesting and relevant to every conversation that we have in reference to Latin America and it's that no one country no one group of people are a monolith right like you said it's not a black or white issue. It's not a this or that, you know, up or down, yes or no, it's there's confusion. There are these massive gray areas that really define the conversation. And, and and with that point, you know, because at the end of the day, you are right that the United States is a presence in Puerto Rico that can't be denied and vice versa. Puerto Ricans have a huge presence in the United States as well right? So the United States can't turn a blind eye. And thinking about that exactly, right? The presence that Puerto Ricans have in the U.S. and what makes Puerto Rican identity so specific, right? I'd be interested in understanding what, in your opinion, right, holds the community together, especially now that we are seeing that, you know, some 5.6 million Puerto Ricans live in the U.S., Well, about 3.7 million live on the island itself. So if it's not the shared experience of living on the island, what holds Puerto Ricans together? Well, it's,
1: the numbers definitely, they're alarming to a certain extent. You know, it's insane to look at it like, wow, so many more Puerto Ricans are in the US as opposed to the island to the mainland, to Puerto Rico. And I think there there needs to be a, bit, a little bit more of some digging done and, and some thought here because although it's 5.6 million Puerto Ricans living in the U.S., there's also a distinction of how many moved there to the U.S. from Puerto Rico looking for better opportunities. How many are kids of parents who did the same, and it's the diaspora is is very it's very interesting to look at, right? Clearly there's the American dream and there's the whole notion of, I want to come to the US for a better education or for better work. And for some, what brings them into the, into the central identity of, of Puerto Ricans and into this, what bonds them to their Puerto Rican community for some, it's their experiences in Puerto Rico. Maybe they were raised there. Uh, maybe their family lives there and they visit often. Not everyone who calls themselves Puerto Rican in the US was born and raised in Puerto Rico, but they have their Puerto Rican parents or their, or their family. And you know they're Puerto Rican as well. Even though they haven't spent that time on the island, they have that culture. They were raised speaking Spanish. With all the all the Spanish curse words and and you know <laughs> all the multitude of Puerto Rican family members teaching them what it is to be Puerto Rican and I think what what joins everyone together is the pride. It's a very very patriotic sense of this is mine. You know Puerto Rico is is mine. It's my home. I love it and it's my beautiful island. And even if I'm a billion miles away, it's still there. I still go back to it, and it's still my home. And for many people, even those who weren't born and raised in Puerto Rico, if you if you had the 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 upbringing of of your family teaching you about the island and, and showing you to love it, you know, you arrive on the island the first day and you you already feel it. You you can tell this is home, even if you've never been there. It still feels like home because. Puerto Rico, one thing, one thing Puerto Ricans are extremely, extremely, uh, I don't even know what the word would be, but I would say maybe predisposed, but we're very welcoming. Mm. We are insanely welcoming. I've had so many friends that don't even speak any Spanish at all, but they arrive on the island and they, in about a week or two weeks, maybe even probably even less maybe a day you can get them feeling as if they're right at home you show them around the island you teach them all the beautiful things there are to love about the island and they fall in love i mean Mm. it's not called la isla del encanto for nothing (laughs) uh people people fall in love with the island and it's uh we're extremely welcoming as well we love sharing our love of the island so when you arrive and, and you feel that love and that warmth, it's, even if you've never, if you weren't raised in Puerto Rico, you still feel like you're very much at home. Mm. And it's that pride, it's that pride, that love for the island that unifies all of us,
2: I think. Mm. I agree, and a, good, and a good medalla, right? And a damn good medalla, cold medalla <laughs> by the beach.
0: <laughs> Ignacio, another one of our, our key themes here, uh, in this podcast is opportunity. So thinking about the future and thinking about um, you know, what opportunities there will be to grow and to build families um, in these, these places that we're exploring. So you have been in the United States now for a couple of years, uh, attending university. Do you see yourself living in Puerto Rico someday? And do you think that there are opportunities available to you there?
1: Sadly, Puerto Rico, as much as I love it, does not have as much opportunity as the U.S. does in a lot of different industries. And I don't really see myself living in Puerto Rico while I have my working career, unless maybe it's on the tail end of it. And I know I want to retire to Puerto Rico, but other than just raising my family there, it's it's hard to see myself mm. finding the kind of opportunity in Puerto Rico that I could
0: in the U.S. Do you think that and that's a common? Do you think that that's a common sentiment in your generation of Puerto Ricans?
1: A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and it attributes to the numbers that we were looking at earlier—the five point six million that live in the U.S. against you know around three point seven million. It attributes to that a lot of younger people people our generation are looking for opportunities in the US because Puerto Rico simply just is not on its feet enough to be able to provide the kind of jobs the kind of, of work that the US does and in, to a certain extent of course you know the US is massive it's a massive country but it's not just because of that it's also just the many weaknesses that Puerto Rico has in its infrastructure i mean education is is public education in Puerto Rico is just very, very lackluster, not, not where it should be, should definitely have more resources invested. But that kind of sets off a very negative cycle, because wherever there's not great public education available, there's also a lack of people willing to do the work, because yeah. if they're not educated, you know, it's hard to find them these jobs that uh, required high pedigree compared to other members, uh, other people that do have the education necessary. And, you know, we're such a centralized location in the Caribbean and, and kind of this window to the world, so to speak, where if a company comes into Puerto Rico, there it's hard to find a Puerto Rican to fill those higher management roles, those executive roles, because simply put, the education is, is, is scarce. Right. And even for those that have great education, it just benefits those so much more to go to the US and find better work there. Sadly, the economy is just not in a place where you can get the most out of your education and and your hustle by living in Puerto Rico, it it requires a very, very specific set of circumstances for you to be able to get the most out of yourself and the most out of the opportunities you've been offered while being in Puerto Rico.
0: Do you think that that uh, challenge in terms of a lack of opportunity or, or subpar resources has gotten worse since Hurricane Maria?
1: It's hard to tell. I would say so, just because, of course, Hurricane Maria was a gigantic cost mm. for for Puerto Rico monetarily wise. Um, we, we got a lot of foreign aid, but a lot of it was mismanaged by our government and, and by by Fama. So to a certain extent, you know, there's a huge net monetary loss mm. after Hurricane Maria, which definitely does not help. Right. Um, the one thing Hurricane Maria did show is it highlighted so many of the issues Puerto Rico had with its infrastructure, which hopefully will see some change in the future. There hasn't been major change yet. And I'm point, I'm mostly talking about like the electrical companies. Um, right now it's, there's one singular electrical company that kind of has a monopoly on everything and it's not privatized, but it's, um, There's there's no private sector for it. It's it's just La Autoridad de Energía Electrica, Mm -hmm. uh, this one company that runs everything and their infrastructure is simply not up to par. A lot of it comes with management of resources and more specifically mismanagement of resources. I think following Hurricane Maria, there's been a very big push by the youth to do something for Puerto Ricans, by Puerto Ricans. And by that, I mean... During the hurricane, there were so many, so many people traveling from across the island to other parts that were hurt much worse and delivering resources. And the same thing was seen when the earthquakes started happening. We had a a few months where there were numerous earthquakes hitting the island pretty hard, especially in the southern region. And people would come from other places of the island to help these, these areas that were hurt hardest. And... That combined with the with the political movements we've seen, the the protests we've seen kind of highlight that the youth is starting to get on its feet and there's a bigger sociopolitical conscience uh, rearing its head, wanting change and wanting to move the island forward, mm-hmm. wanting to get out of the hole and the rut that we've been. So mm.
0: yeah thank you that I think is is illustrative I think that you're, you're right about so many of those challenges uh, particularly about how it, it is a cycle you know the cycle of um, emigration where conditions get worse and people move and then when people move there's not as much activity and not as much that can propel things in the right direction um, but yes the, the buy-in from the community, is one of those things that can hopefully make a difference. So turning then to a more hopeful section, um, I guess, what, what do you wanna see change in Puerto Rico and what gives you hope that that will happen?
1: So a lot of the hope for change comes with the greater consciousness that I've mentioned from the youth and wanting social change by so many, but I think what I would like to see change most in Puerto Rico is simply better education. Better education is, I think, the number one step to helping a country get on its feet and really start to progress and become more prevalent in the global panorama. I think education is just immensely important to to having a a good workforce, a strong workforce, and an intelligent leadership that knows what to do and is reliable and consistent. And right now, we just don't have that. We have had some very questionable leadership. For a long time, there's a big, big issue of nepotism and, and, and corruption in our government. That's been true for I don't know how long. I mean, as long as I can remember as a child of, of politicians not using the resources that were given to them how they should be, and of especially money not being put forth towards education, and that education is really what holds us back. I mean, I remember... Seeing so many reports years back of so many public schools closing, and I used to go to uh, to public sc- to a lot of public schools for for tournaments and for other things like that, and, and I would see the the difference in resources. And now I come from an extremely extremely privileged place. Mm-hmm. I am saying all this out of a place of privilege, as in my parents were able to get me into a very good private school one of the best in the in the island on the island and one of the most expensive ones honestly it was mostly through scholarships Uh, my parents did not have the financial means to be able to pay for it entirely but my parents I would say were very much somewhat middle class and for them it was really hard to get me through that high school but we managed to do it and you know if I'm saying that from a place of privilege I can only imagine one could only imagine how hard it is for someone from a less privileged standpoint, whose family doesn't have the kind of resources to be able to send their kid to this prestigious school. And in these public schools, they the education is just simply worse. It's And it's demotivating for a lot of students. Um, I, I know a bunch of kids that you know they finished their degree and, and they feel like they didn't gain anything and they don't have any direction. And because in Puerto Rico it's an extremely family oriented culture, like many Latin American cult, uh, countries, there becomes this big emphasis of, of the kids staying with the parents for, for a really long time until you know they get married even. Uh, and so them staying in that house allows them to kind of foster this sense of comfort and For many that don't have a direction to go with their careers, they don't know what to do after high school, that can become a really toxic place to to stay. Uh, And it's a very easy cycle to fall into. And then on top of that, you know, you have people that do decide, you know what, I'm going to go to college. Well, you know what, those colleges in the U.S., They are looking a lot more at the prestigious schools on the island. So if you're not in that prestigious school, you're going to have a harder time getting into into all these really great universities in the U.S. So maybe you go to the U.S., to to the UPR, the Universidad de Puerto Rico, the local university at home. Maybe you go there. And sure, you can go there, but then that degree is hard to translate into a... really, really prominent career in the U.S. without some really strong backing. It's a great university system, it really is. And Although it struggles from lack of resources, again, because of the poor leadership. But it it's just a very, it's a very complicated cycle that all starts with education to me. And once education, is taken seriously by our leaders to actually, you know, sink the resources that they should sink, then we could see Puerto Rico start to to progress and get on its feet and the economy will follow. Mm -hmm. We also need more local businesses. But again, that comes with the locals, the the Puerto Ricans, us getting the resources, the education to be able to actually begin, you know, to start our businesses and, and then prosper and spread those Businesses uh, across the island and turn it maybe into a company and a, and a global phenomenon. But until the majority of Puerto Ricans have the resources to be able to do all this, to, they gain this education, it's going to be extremely hard to to get on on our feet.
2: I think you you brought up a really important point right there, and it's essentially that Puerto Rico needs those strong resources, right? It needs that pipeline of resources. And trying to tie that with the previous point that you made, right, when you were talking about how the Puerto Rican identity can be split between people who want um, statehood or people who want greater Americanization so that they have greater access to these resources, right? How do you think that the statehood question could be tied to this idea of a resource, right? If Puerto Rico was to become a state, do you think those resources would become more attainable? And do you see a type of trade-off, right? Between uh, statehood for those resources?
1: So statehood is a extremely, extremely complicated topic. If Puerto Rico were to become a state, we definitely would see some kind of increase in resources, but at the same time, it's comes with a, a negative kicker so to say. So we have this history of colonialism, right? And many Puerto Ricans have this mindset of if we become a state, everything will be good now. Every, the economy will be fixed. We'll be able to get uh, a lot of benefits from the US that we don't currently have because we're not a state. And a lot of it is true. However, I don't have much faith in US politicians, to be quite honest. The Congress is simply a place where congressmen go for and vote for their own interests, for their own state's interests, right? Mm -hmm. That's their job. So when you have interests that are so different, when, when your state needs resources that are so completely different from this little tropical island In the Caribbean, are you really going to care? When legislature is being passed to help Puerto Rico specifically, are all these legislators even going to give this bill the time of day? Are they going to actually go out of the way to to help Puerto Ricans when it doesn't benefit themselves that much? So our resident commissioner right now doesn't have a vote in Congress. He gets to argue bills, he gets to present ideas and and all and ask for help for Puerto Rico, but he doesn't have any leverage, and history has shown that not having that vote means he doesn't get to have much happen for him. People don't really give him the light of day when legislature is up on the table about Puerto Rico, and that, I mean, that just screams a lot of ill will to me. Not ill will in the conscious, I want to put you down, but more ill will in a conscious, I'm out for my best interest. I'm out for my state's people and you're not my state's people. And your interests are very different than mine, you know? The resources that Puerto Ricans need are going to be very different from those of a state because we're a tropical island in the middle of a Caribbean. And of course, everything I've said up until now, everything is my own viewpoints and, and what I've observed and what I think. So. By all means, this is not exemplary of all Puerto Ricans, but in my personal opinion, I would not want to become a state. I think there's a lot of risk for loss of culture if we were to become a state. And there's the argument of, you know, we're so proud we'd never let that happen. But I mean, I don't know how much I trust that sentiment when colonialism can be drilled into your head through decades and decades and decades. And it wouldn't be to an, to this extreme of a degree, but let's look at Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii had a beautiful flourishing culture with people very different from the U.S. and the U.S. came and kind of took it all and massacred a lot of people. I mean, it was genocide. It was genocide. And in that now Hawaii is left kind of this hollow shell of what it used to be. It's, it's almost like it's only a tourist destination. The culture is on display for the tourists. It's not celebrated for the people of Hawaii themselves, and it's not celebrated with the people of Hawaii themselves. It's almost turned into a, an imitation.
0: Ignacio, if I could ask, so um, that's it's, those are some really powerful points you made about you know the, the, the cultural risks uh, related to statehood. So for you personally, what would you like to see happen? Things. Staying the same in the relationship or independence or something different altogether?
1: What I would love to see is politicians in the US gaining a bit more of a conscience towards wanting to help Puerto Ricans in, in our time of need. Um, and if I, I, I don't know if this could ever happen because I, I have a lot of mistrust, but. I would want Puerto Rico to achieve independence, but over a set of years. Mm. So have some kind of plan a set in motion in which after a certain number of years, we, ha- we achieve full independence, but it is a progression towards independence. Mm. What I mean by that is economically, we will still gain some help from the US, but it will slowly, slowly decrease and we'll gain more political autonomy with that alongside it so that we can healthily get to a place where we are autonomous and able to stand on our own two feet economically. Because I obviously I identify if we just became independent from one day to another, our economy would just implode. There's no way we'd be able to survive that kind of thing. And sure, I say no way we'd survive, but it, we would just be left in in shambles. We'd be left as actual an actual third world country, I think.
0: Um,
1: it'd be destructive. Maybe in the long run, it would be worth it because we would finally have the autonomy that we'd never had before. And hopefully that autonomy breeds with it more... More well-meaning leadership, leadership that will actually address the problems that have been plaguing Puerto Rico for a long time and actually allocate the resources how they should and instead of just the nepotism and corruption that we've seen for so, so long. But definitely a transitional period would be needed to achieve a healthy, independence.
0: I hope that that that, that vision is realized. Um, That does sound, you know, like a good good way to go. Maybe they they need to put you in charge. So Ignacio, one final question, kind of continuing on with our deep exploration of political and social tensions. Why is Puerto Rican food the best in Latin America?
1: Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Because frituras are so damn good. Right off the bat, frituras
0: are so damn good. Dude, be able to frituras, what is that?
1: Okay, okay, okay. Frituras refers just to like fried goods, fried foods. An empanadilla, for example. If I can go to the beach, have myself a beer, and then there's always this, there's always somebody selling empanadillas or some kind of fritura and they'll pass by the beach and they'll yell it out and they'll be listing all the the ingredients as they're screaming and and you know walking along the beach and you just ask them to come by and for like three dollars you get an empanadilla and you got it right there at the beach with a beer in hand, and it is amazing. It tastes so good. It tastes so amazingly good. You have no idea. Other than oh,
2: that, really?
1: a classic arroz con pollo. Mm. You can never go wrong with that. Some some mofongo. Oof. We just have, dude. Listen, Puerto Rican food is just cracked. It, it is just. <laughs> it's not fair. It's just not fair. It's mm. my my personal favorite is always going to be frituras. I love frituras.
2: Mm. Well, by the next time we go on our post-pandemic trip to Puerto Rico, we'll be sure to ask you for all the main places to. Oh go yeah! And oh yeah! All the incredible things, but I think uh, that opens a list for a different podcast uh, where <laughs> we can purely discuss all there is to know about Puerto Rican food. Dude,
1: but- you guys are gonna taste iguanas.
0: I'm gonna ha- you. You guys are gonna <laughs> taste iguanas. I'm gonna have you taste what iguanas. Is- you. De- I am alarmed by this concept. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't worry. It tastes like chicken. It's not even super common in PR, but I, I mean, I have to, just because you're going to be there and I'm going to be like, okay, well, when I in to taste iguanas.
2: Exactly. When in Rome. Can't um, but until that podcast and that trip where we get the chance to try some tasty iguana, Ignacio, we thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank uh, you for having giving me. us so much incredible insight into your experience um, on, in Puerto Rico, um, and more than anything, as someone in our generation, another fellow Latino, 20 something years, years old, that shows us what makes obviously Puerto Rico different from other Latin American countries and areas, but also what makes it the same. Right? Always bridging that gap among all of us to show that we are way more similar to each other than different. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me and thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about
2: Puerto Rico.